school each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of Deglio. Yeah. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Guys, it's not a background. It's a basement. It's my real basement. Keith went from trapped in a shitty apartment in Astoria to trapped in a basement? Podcast, a weekly podcast that talks mostly about ourselves, but occasionally about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are talking about season five, episode 15, entitled Awakenings. We have come back from our crossover. How's it going, Degs? I'm not taking up much time at all. Other than our crossover episode has screwed up all of my numerical listings of episodes. I know, Last and I, week I changed it. This week is 515. Everything's confusing. Well, this week is 516 of Oops and 515 of The Practice. That's that's what we did for the other crossovers. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. But let's get to the nitty gritty. <laughs> this has all been leading. It's been 100 episodes yes. leading up to Keith buying a house. The house is bought. The house is inhabited. The boxes are moved. It was a saga. Can you sum up the saga and where you are right now for our listeners who listen to this podcast for this cutting i'm sure i'm sure everybody is on the edge of their seats no uh we are moved we moved uh this week from our place in queens to our new house in new jersey uh we got delayed by a day we were literally had the truck packed on tuesday and we're about to walk out the door to go to the closing and move and they're like oh yeah we need another day and we melted down and said a lot of bad words. Uh, but we were able to, because we we did so many things stupidly, including getting a truck that was way too small. But we did do a smart thing, and that is get the truck for three days, mm. which allowed us to be able to d- push it off a day and not have it all melt down. Uh, but we, we got in the house, we closed, we met the previous owners who were very, very nice. They were, couldn't, couldn't have been nicer. And, uh, the house was in pristine condition. We, uh, we're here. I'm delighted, exhausted. We moved ourselves and partially to save, you know, the $3,000 more it would have cost us. And, um, partly because of COVID. So we, Jillian and I literally, physically moved all of our possessions, which I had no idea how much stuff we had because we were in like a one and a half bedroom apartment in Queens, but we've also had 20 years of experience of stuff compression. Mm -hmm. 
to get like just like per square inch the amount of crap that we had. So we filled up the 10-foot truck like absurdly and then had to take four car loads back and forth in our, our tiny little car, which that was by far the worst part because we had to go back and forth over the bridge. Uh, from door to door from here to the old place is is an hour, is about an hour uh without traffic, which it's actually, as the crow flies, it's really not far at all, but you, because you've got to get around the island. Anyway, but we, we did it. Uh, Jillian unloaded most of the truck herself because I was fighting with Comcast because she had a shift <laughs> coming up in an hour. She had to work. And so uh, all of my neighbors think I'm a monster already because uh, as I was shouting at Comcast on the phone, she unloaded her truck herself. I mean... Uh, all of our, most of our stuff. So uh, we are still completely in boxes and it's chaotic, but it's awesome. And as you can see behind me here, we have uh, the, the basement as I found it. And the guy who was here had converted it into like a movie theater feel, which is why uh, red rum everywhere. The, 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 the red rum is going to be leaving us. <laughs> um, but he did a really nice job. It's very detailed. It's not like what I'm going to eventually stay with, but he put so much effort into it. So, uh, And now I apparently chose, by happenstance, the exact same fire on YouTube that Mike did. <laughs> well, we're slowly merging to the same person, it appears. Yeah, I have to say I, mixed, I have a mixed uh, feeling of incredible uh, joy for you guys and a little mm -hmm. bit of uh, envy because everything yeah. I want to do in my apartment here, I I. I talk myself out of because I realize it is temporary and yeah. uh, uh, hopefully we'll never have to move again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I know that I have one more in me at least. So uh, I'm, but it's like you said, no, we hired professional movers and yeah. I thought for sure when I did the calculations in my head and we were doing the math calculations, I was like, bing, bang, boom, they'll be in and out loading my stuff in an hour, two hours tops. Uh, right. And them taking taking four hours to get everything out of my apartment re made me realize, oh yeah, we got a lot of shit. So it, it's amazing what you can put into a tiny New York apartment, like if you're working at it, if you're mm -hmm. like really trying. I mean, so, just our books. Oh my god. I'm gonna say that uh, let's let's wait until after inauguration day to, to really dissect what's happening right now. Cause utter chaos is taking place uh, or continuing mm -hmm. to take place. Uh, so let's, I had, I had yeah. some thoughts, but I feel like we should save the thoughts and, and, and focus on the practice. Uh, and it's not lost on me or any of the, our listeners that 20 years later, 21 years later, you're now watching mm -hmm. the practice in your basement yet again. So I, I know I am circle so delighted. Uh, yeah, I mean that having a basement has been a a dream, dream, dream of mine, and to like mac it out and make it awesome, and I'm really excited to do that. I have a drill now. Anyway, so let us. I'm so proud of myself. I got a tiny little baby drill. A Dremel. Uh, all right. A Dremel. The drill. Well, a Dremel is a baby drill, right? Well, that's one of the brands of it. Oh, is it? I see. I. It's funny for a guy who grew up on a farm. And it's like fairly handy. The 20 years in New York has just destroyed all of my uh, handiness. So I'm going to have to learn it all. You know, I've still never mowed a lawn. Have you not? My, How so, could you possibly not have mowed a lawn? 
So uh, here's a little this day in the basement for you. It's so bizarre. So two really crazy things. So a little just like psychological context. My father, we've talked a little bit about it, but he had like a really crazy upbringing, left his house really young, had to fend for himself, uh, had a whole family, things went down, had a, we were like his second chance at family, right? My mom was the second wife, uh, we're his second group of children. I'm gonna leave it there so that we can get into that another time. <laughs> but they were really overprotective of us in different ways. My brother, the firstborn, he, this was a story I never believed, but it turns out it is true. They were so afraid of my brother getting hurt that for the first few years of his life, he wasn't even allowed to run. He literally had to pretend he was the bionic man and run in slow motion. That is a real thing. Okay, so that's what? that's the baseline. Now, there was oh a rumor. God. There was a rumor that our next door neighbors, where we lived, that one of the children had cut off half their foot with the lawnmower. Now, that sounds like an urban myth that you, an urban legend that everyone hears yeah. about somebody in their neighborhood, right? But my dad sure. bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And so we weren't allowed to own a lawnmower. We weren't allowed to mow the lawn. We just got out of that entirely, which was really nice. But it also meant that we never got a trampoline. We never got pogo sticks. We never got a mm. pool. We barely were allowed to use uh, rollerblades. So uh, it was weird. But that that's very interesting. What, uh, what do you talk? Why did I bring that up? Oh yes, lawns, lawns. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I I'm so excited to do, to do it. I mean, I, we were uh, out in the yard. Uh, today and i'm like i need to rake these leaves tomorrow and i'm like hell yeah i i'm sure that will that will leave us soon. i think it's gonna but, the uh, one thing i'm interested in is like the first time something breaks or like a pipe leaks or something and you can't just call the landlord and you're like oh shit this is my problem now. <laughs> well we we do have that we had you know that there was crazy rain uh one night and there was just a tiny couple of droplets down in the basement here and we're not a hundred percent convinced it came from the wall or we might have just spilled something, but mm -hmm. now we're like super paranoid about it. And so uh, I don't know. I just, I, okay, that'll be a thing I have to deal with if uh, if it happens again. But it didn't happen last night. So Well, here's maybe. hoping there's a vaccine that we actually can have at some point and uh, we can come visit and, and, and start that ball. Oh, God, that's, I can't wait. Like, I literally can't wait. They left the fire pit in the back. So yeah. Oh, now I'm can, super psyched. We can, like, literally, like, sit around the fire and do some marshmallows and cocktails. Like, I can't. I suppose we could anyway. do that with masks on, too. Anyway, well, we'll see. Uh, outdoors. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we won't as soon be as it's not crazy cold. No, no, no. Well, I'm, you're not getting in our house. Fuck you. But the... Uh, <laughs> not even no. the best of times. Not even the best. Please. No, no I, I, I literally can't wait. Someday we'll have to do an episode in person. Yeah, that'd be actually, yeah, we haven't done that. We have never done an episode in person. It, it changes the audio quality, but we definitely could do. Oh, yeah, we could we figure could it out. <laughs> the audio quality. Yeah, what the people have come to expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of All audio right. quality, we want to hear the quality of the audio of things you have to say to us in a little segment we like to call. Filings and subpoenas. It worked. It worked. Mind bullets. It's the fire melt. Yeah, it's true. We somehow we have coordinated fires, fake fires on our televisions in the background. Uh, all right. Anyway, so filings and subpoenas. We heard from Jorge, 
who wrote, uh, love the new version of the song, referring to, of course, to the alternate uh, version of Massachusetts, Welcome Back to the Practice, which will never be played again. If you want to hear it, you have to go on onto that episode. Uh, no, we'll probably play it. Uh, he says, it came on just as train delays were announced. He lives in New York City. So I'm sure a few New Yorkers wondered what the hell I was so happy about. So I, I'm I'm delighted to hear that. I, I have had that happen so many times, uh, cackling like an idiot on a sad subway train. Uh, so I'm delighted to hear that. Uh, also... Our good friend and found both two founding sponsors today. Uh, Leanne Hart wrote on uh, the YouTubes, said, hey, I'm in the jury. Don't come for me. Everyone else, leave them a review. <laughs> I think we were bitching about people not joining the jury yeah. and leaving us a rating and review. But she says, everyone else, leave a review. It doesn't take that long and it will help them expand their listenership. Thank you, Leanne. We are never coming for you. Uh, and, uh, yes. So please join the jury. And, uh, you know what, while we're talking about it, uh, let us tell you how you can communicate with us. Oh, yeah. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at out of practice podcast. You can email us directly at out of practice podcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our blog at out of practice podcast.blogspot.com. Now, if you want to do as Leanne tells you to do, as you should, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. Just let us know. We will happily read it, good, bad, or ugly, and welcome you to the jury. Okay, so we have uh, the people have spoken. Uh, wait, I hope everyone. I got another one. Oh, I got another one. Do you? Okay. Well, sort of. Uh, speaking of uh, founding sponsors, we also have a CEO, and CEO. Uh, so I had mentioned, I forget why uh, Leanne Wrights came up. I think she might have had something funny on Instagram or something, and it, it it it. I was able to decipher from where she was that she's. A season behind. She's on like season four, episode 19 of our podcast. Okay. You know, because people are busy and have lives and cannot possibly keep up with the dearth of content we pr- provide. We refuse to take to give everybody yeah. a break, including dearth, ourselves. Dearth is not the word I wanted to use there. The onslaught of <laughs> there you go, is what I wanted to say. Anyway, Dirge. CEO Jen just, you know, realized that she's pretty behind too. And, and she kept saying it to me. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm X amount of episodes behind. To which I replied, okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's it's all right. And like, you're uh, the CEO. You got to sign the checks, not actually eat the product. Yeah. Somebody's got to like, you know, do something that isn't a podcast for no one. And that's you, honey. Anyway, she, uh, <laughs> she happened to receive AirPods for Christmas, which uh, changed her oh. life. And now she just listens to podcasts all day, all the time. And I asked her what she was listening to, and she says, I'm catching up. And I reminded her she doesn't have to listen to our podcast. That's, no, that's no. That's not part of her vows. Uh, but she decided that she's really into it, and she loves listening to the practice. She's really invested, and hearing her listen to the episodes reminded me of how crazy the season's been so far. So she's like... This season has been bananas. What's going to happen with Hinks? She's like, whose head is in the fridge? She's asking all the questions that I was asking. And then she's like, well, what's going to happen with Rebecca? And then I heard, I listened to her listen to the bombing portion of that one episode uh, <laughs> in real time. And it was awesome. So That's now awesome. She's, she's caught up. And she also is a fan of the 
Bobby is an asshole uh, bumper because she agreed so that Bobby's been kind of an asshole. So Bobby has definitely been an asshole. So she so also she... firmly believed that he was going to be found guilty and that he was just going to be written off the show because he was in federal prison <laughs> for murder. <laughs> <laughs> or they would just like cut. He'd be the C story every episode. Yeah. And he's like getting he's just a sandwich. Bobby eating just... soggy fries in prison. <laughs> well, yeah. So she just now does she watch the episodes as well, or is her entire experience what we're what we're doing? Yes, well, that. I I, sh- I I truly hope that Hulu didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is awesome. All right. Well, let us continue forward. Oh, now I think I'm a little too big in my shot. I'm going to zoom out. How's that? That's better. That's great. Uh, what's that? I said it's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, look, you guys, you get to hear everything. So are we celebrating <laughs> episode 100 or this is it? Just being together as a family is our celebration. Uh, Mike, I <laughs> moved. <laughs> I love how the assumption is, if we're doing anything special, Keith would have prepared it, because I sure did. Of course. I know you didn't. <laughs> Good. L- I, I have moved all of my earthly possessions. Now, for the record, all. I want to let people know that all I said was, dude, I recommend movers, and I recommend if you're going to do it yourself, get a big enough truck, because you don't want to have to uh-huh. go back. And you disregarded yep. both of those pieces of advice. Every piece of advice. <laughs> You gave me. I completely disregarded. That is, uh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I made all of the rookie mistakes on my 78th move. Because we, uh, you know, because Jill and I were talking about how many different moves we had done while living in New York and how many different apartments. And it's just, it's craziness. All right. Last point I want to make. Yes. Speaking of money. I sort of did rough calculations of my whole time in New York never having to pay for water. Because pay for water out here. And like, oh. you didn't pay for heat or water in all of my time in New York City because of... Sure, that's how it works. No less than about eleven dollars to $12,000 was saved. Really? In just water so, bills. Yeah, because we're going to... We have our bills set up. I have no idea what water costs. I don't know how sad that's going to be. We'll, we'll find out. It's not insignificant. First, First time home buyers when you're 40, you don't know a lot of things you should. <laughs> All right, my bad. Next segue. Next segue. Okay. Well, we it is time to hop back into the time machine. Back to a simpler time. A simpler time in 2001, specifically February 18th, 2001, when the practice was on. And we have the eternal question, Mike. What was going on? This day in the basement. Ah, oh, Keith. Ah, uh, Keith. Mm. I think I, remember, I mentioned last week that I, I got dumped. I got broken up with. Oh, yes. And yes, uh, did. I tend to, let's say, passionately overreact whenever I get dumped, which turned out to be fairly frequent in my life. I'm familiar with this. Uh, I get very dark and I write a lot of very sad songs and I do a lot of just obsessive emailing and uh, thankfully I've changed email addresses since then so those have all been lost and oh, uh, bummer I do recall and it's coming up this summer so we're gonna miss it so I'll mention it now my ultimate uh, my ultimate thing I did here was you'll recall a certain song I wrote for a certain person and then I yes. reused that song right 
Uh, yes, yes, great story. Well, not only was the song reused, but it was also used in an emotional, uh, I'm gonna call it a quid pro quo, but an emotional, uh, uh, well, here's what I did. I, <laughs> this said person, uh, my girlfriend at the time, good friend now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, was pretty confident she wanted to break up with me and, and you know, made the right call for her life. And I wouldn't <laughs> accept those results. And I kept thinking, as most, as some do, that I could convince her that she had ma- mm-hmm. made an error. Ah, ah, yes. And so I'm, you know, we kept in touch and we kind of like, you know, maybe hooked up here and there, you know, mm-hmm. over the next few times. But early in the summer coming up, I got invited to play at what they call Concert Under the Stars, which is like a local gathering where everybody brings their picnic chairs to like the uh, the community center, and they bring in bands and acts and, and some cool stuff. And I got asked to be an opening act for Jeffrey Gaines or something like that. Anyway, so I did it, cool. and in the and I made sure to invite her, and she said she'd come, and she's in the crowd. And of course, my closing number, Keith, I played the song, and I was like, I. I'm sure I said something uber cheesy, like, I hope that someone out there listening, blah, 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 in front of all, like, you know, a couple hundred people, I (laughs) definitely tried to emotionally uh, and musically manipulate this person. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it worked for like, you know, probably two more months we did it. And then I did. Did it really? It did. And then. You got her back with a song. I did. Wow, dude. And I'm almost embarrassed to expl- to to announce how we avi- officially broke up. Broke up, and we'll get there though. I'll tell that story a different time. Uh, I, yeah. I I assume you're going to play us a, a cut of the song. Have I never played it? No, I played the chorus. I did it live. You, play, you played it. Yeah, you did it live. Yeah, Ooh, I'm sure I, there's I, a recording I, somewhere. I, I will dig up more. I will dig yeah. up a recording and and. Maybe it's you know we tagged last episode with one of my songs. Sure it, I think it's only fair that we tagged. Well, yeah, this but one we with tagged yours. it with a good new one, not an old. I'll I'll see if I can find it. It worked. You got two more months of a girlfriend with the 2001 version of a dick pic. <laughs> Better yet, I got a lifelong friend, Keith. A lifelong friend. Let's go to you back in that basement. <laughs> Where were you? What were you doing in the Eastman basement? Yes. Well, actually, I found some photos of what I was doing. Sure did. I sure did. And this was, I was doing, um, as part of our uh, class work, we did scenes, a couple of scenes from West Side Story. <laughs> um, it just as like a, the little, little black box deal. And there's Chubby Me uh, doing Officer Krupke and then doing the balcony scene. That's not Chubby with, You look healthy. Oh, no. <laughs> healthy i you know i, I had a, uh, a dear friend of mine say to me in in all sincerity and i think it's exactly right she's like keith you know you're not fat you just look like a guy who eats cheese <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's completely accurate and i i do eat cheese <laughs> This was a college uh, production or like a uh, student? It wasn't even a production. It was just like a, we did like scenes or whatever. It was it was not a not a thing, but my folks did come to it. It was part of the trip that we had pictures from a while ago. Um, but what I remember about the performance is uh, cracking in the Tony section. I I forget I forget exactly what line it was, but I totally cracked on the high note and I was mortified, which uh, I still am. 
You know, it's it is the type of like personal shame that I take, and that uh, makes me too afraid afraid to sing live. So, yeah, you know, things change though, Keith, because later on you're gonna hear me sing something, and uh, it's a little it's a little less than in tune, but I shrugged my shoulders and and decided I didn't want to do it 17 times like you probably do on all your bumpers. I set myself a 15 minute timer and I uh, plowed ahead. Yeah, you, li- you live Actually, and learn, buddy. Uh, on uh, on the bumpers, no, I. Well, that's not true. It really depends on which bumper. Some of the bumpers, I literally just like shout out in six minutes before the uh, episode started. But some of them, it it depends on how how much I like the bumper, how vain I am about the uh, the vocals on it. So there you go. You just you know figure out which ones I'm talking about yourselves. All right, folks, it is time to talk about. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, well, I can tell you that the cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about police hunt Vermont boys in New Hampshire killings, which is not good. There's a lot of murder stories in Vermont at this point. The number one hit was Stutter by Joe featuring Mystical. I've never heard this song in my life. I have never once in my life until today. (laughs) The top movie was Hannibal in its second week of domination. Thank you very much much lady on youtube all right it's time it's time, time. It's time for sports the boston bruins lost a squeaker in rally to the hurricanes five to four the bruins got goals from allison garen rolston mclaren but rod brindamore currently head coach of the hurricanes led his team to victory the next night the philadelphia flyers dispatched the same hurricanes four to nothing in philly with goals from recky todd Fedoric and two from keith primo there it is got all the words out that was nice buddy <laughs> so Keith, I don't, there's no weather this week, but we do have something even more uh, special. Oh, oh, is, is it time? Is it's it time. time to debut? It's time. Oh, here it is, folks. Back in Wait, is that you? It is. It is indeed. Holy shit! It's like, it's like six of me. <laughs> That's fantastic. I finally that's used awesome. the old uh, FP10 for something. Oh, that's cool. Wait, you have an FP10? Yeah, you made me buy oh, it. Roland? Oh, 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 oh. That was that piano. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I got confused because I have an FP2, but it's an FP7. Wait, is, I think it's the FP10 I bought. I don't... God damn it. I, I, I know. I, I know. I talked you into a Roland. Whatever. Well, blah, 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 blah. yes. We're, it's 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 a lot of synthesizer sounds that I just picked and then hit some buttons. This um, might be the most boring episode we've ever done. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> uh, play it one more time so that I can segue into the thing. Oh yeah. No, it is. It, I mean, it's a fantastic bumper. I love it. Pitch it.
February yeah. 18th, 2001, Special Agent Robert Hassan drove to Foxstone Park in Virginia to make a dead drop. See, he'd been working for the CIA, tasked with compiling a database of Soviet and Russian intelligence for over 20 years. Yet, on this night, Keith, he was a little bit nervous. For weeks, his car radio was making noises as though it was bugged. Now, two agents had already been arrested and proven to be moles working against the United States, and there were rumors of a third. But this here was just a routine drop, so he continued on. He signaled to his contacts that he'd be leaving a package by placing it, uh, by placing a piece of white tape on a park sign to denote the location. When he walked to a wooden footbridge over a creek with a sealed garbage bag filled with top secret documents and taped it beneath the bridge. That's when several men ran to him, grabbed him, but he wasn't being kidnapped by Russian spies. No, 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 no. He was being arrested by the FBI. Finally, he faced the agents calmly and said, because CIA agent Robert Hassan was tired. He had been selling top secrets to the KGB for nearly as long as he'd been working for the USA. He had put the lives of countless agents and citizens at risk by selling US intelligence documents to the Soviet Union and Russia for over a 22 year period. All for one and a half million dollars in cash and diamonds. To avoid the death penalty of espionage and treason, he pleaded guilty to 14 counts of simple espionage in the United States, and on May 10th, three days before the season five finale of The Practice aired, he was given 15 consecutive life sentences without the possibility oh, of parole. He currently resides at ADX Florence, a federal supermax prison in Colorado where he sits in solitary confinement for 23 hours of day. Whoa. And that's, that's the story brutal. of Robert Hassan. Wow. So, have they made a movie about it? It feels like it feels very ripe for movieing. I don't know, but uh, a, a tip of the hat to founding sponsor Jorge Navoa for sending me that story. Thank you, Jorge. That was awesome. That's that's fascinating. I think there needs. I, we should start a screenplay on that because uh, that's really interesting. And uh, although I do think, I mean, yes, of course, espionage is a uh, is a serious crime, and you should be locked up for it. Solitary confinement, I believe, is torture. So, well, before not, we move on from that, I, uh, I I alluded to it earlier. There's a lot of there's a lot of political machinations taking place right now and posturing that we haven't seen in in a hundred years. And yeah. I'll save I'll reserve my full oratorio on it. Uh, however, ooh, would you would you do an oratorio about it? However, I, I really like that idea. Hold on. Here, let's, uh, well, here we go. Uh, here we go. Uh. <clears throat> Once you become a senator or a member of the house, you must stay quiet, quiet as a mouse. But on occasion when you want to make headlines, you do something treasonous and, uh, and try to discount the votes of millions. <laughs> well, 
That uh, went about as well as we could have expected. You know, you did amazing. I, <laughs> I, I got, I got all, I got all fakakta, but you it, did great. It, it got, well done. It got very, very close to. Uh, call JG Wentworth <laughs> eight seven seven six now. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know. Th- thank you for the oratorio. <laughs> in response, Trump. people are throwing around a lot, throwing around the word treason, and it, it's it's I think maybe a little hyperbolic. However, let's not forget that sedition and treason is quite the offense. Uh, yeah, yeah, they don't they don't fuck around with that. I think the death penalty is still on the table for a lot of that. Oh, for for treason, yeah, no, it's one of the few things, one of the few federal ones, definitely. Okay. I'm a human being, God damn it! My life has value, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! It's time to talk about the damn episode! Okay, folks, we have finally gotten to the episode. We are talking about The Practice Season 5, Episode 15, Awakenings. It was written by David E. Kelly and Lucas Reiter, who last wrote on Friends and Ex-Lovers. It was directed by first-time director Charles McClelland, and this was actually his first time ever directing. Uh, He actually had this episode and two episodes of Royal Pains. That was all he ever directed. However, he was an editor. And so he edited 43 episodes of The Practice, a ton of Blue Bloods, Instinct, Las Vegas, and also edited the pilot of Ally McBeal. So certainly had a strong David E. Kelly connection, which leaves us with only one important thing to do. It is time to take a big swing and ask. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? It's a good question, Jimmy. We might never know. Yeah. Mm. So, before I watched the previously on, I -hmm. fully intended to predict that this entire episode would be a fantasy episode in which... Rebecca, on her journey to awaken from her coma, would have Ooh. some sort of like episode in her head. It would be a chance for them to really explore some crazy shit. Uh, oh, that would be fun of her psyche. However, uh, though we do revisit the bombing in the previously on, we also see a discussion of Eleanor being pregnant. We see uh, a recap of Lucy's rape counselor. Escapades? Well, escapades is the mm-hmm. wrong, wrong <laughs> word. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm, the vocabulary never seemed so important. Uh, her the trials and tribulations her hijinks. Of, her, of her first <laughs> of her first hoot nanny as they uh <laughs> So awakenings. I do think we're gonna spend a lot of time with Rebecca here, but uh also I'm going to predict that uh oh man, we gotta work. Cameron in somehow. Big swing, man. Let's get a big swing. Okay, so the father of Cameron's baby Mm -hmm. 
look, it's a big swing, uh, but it's not out of the it's not out of the realm of possibility. The cam mm-hmm. the the father of Cameron's baby is in trouble, Keith. Okay, he is accused of murder, and of he has tracked down the an old friend, the mo- an old friend, the mother of his sperm donation, uh-huh. in order for them to help him. That's that's my that's that's my my big swing. Ooh, a good like murder sperm story. Mm-hmm. I love it. A spermer. Murder, sperm, a murder, a murder. Mm. I'll work on it. I'll workshop it. <laughs> Do we need an oratorio on spermerm? <laughs> no, it's just going to be a commercial with JG Wentworth, let's be honest. <laughs> okay. Well, folks, it is. Oh, and at the time. end of the episode, Rebecca will come too. Yeah, hopefully. And hopefully right, we find out time. whether she would have wanted the blood donation or not. I guess she didn't get it anyway, so she's okay. No, yeah, she didn't didn't get it. What a waste but, of court proceeding. But yeah, right? That's a whole bunch. Well, let's find out by clicking over to your podcasting service of choice if you are watching on YouTube. And if you're not, you're probably confused why we're talking about the basement so much. <laughs> and let us... Talk about this episode. Season 5, Episode 15, Awakenings. Let's wake up. Dr. Everett? Dr. Everett? Paging Dr. Herman. Dr. Herman. So Rebecca is still unconscious. Oh, it's Bobby's seven-year-old baby. back. And Bobby's got a baby. Bobby baby. Looks like a hog. Oh, he's a gorgeous thing. Bobby's baby is 16 years old. It has a... Bobby's baby, Bobby. It is Bobby's baby, Bobby. They let me in here with little Bobby. (laughs) We got big Bobby, little Bobby, little Bobby. And then we also got a baby Bobby. The swelling's almost completely down. Three days. What is that sweater Bobby's wearing? Enough is enough. Thank you for the uh, that is exposition so there. Beautiful, Michael. It's amazing. When are you publishing? I'm Who the hell is Michael? But we know that guy. Oh, I'll tell you. This one here is. Who the hell is Michael? That guy from uh, Married with Children. Guys, Michael is Ted McGinley. From the back, the Baxters. What the hell did I write there? It says no goo Nick. <laughs> he was in no goo Nick, <laughs> the West Wing, Sports Night, Love Boat, and of course everyone knows him knows him from Married with Children. Is he the sperm donor? I uh, well, we're about to find out. They have a very cozy relationship. Uh, indeed. Well, you know. either that one or. This here, this this little girl. Look at her face. Yeah. Okay. You want to see something really incredible, Michael? Stock photographs this of indigenous people. An amazing picture. And a stock photograph a of a baby in, in utero. Now talk about the earliest IMDB listing anyone has ever received. <laughs> Now, I wonder if that's Cameron's actual baby. Like, that would be, that'd be fun. No way. 
I mean, does your kid have a SAG card already? Yeah. No, but it has a lot of earrings. You help make that. (laughs) Can you believe it? Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. That's, um... That's what I came to talk to you about, Eleanor. I'm not sure that I can stick to the deal. What was the deal? What do you mean? I want to help parent this baby. Uh-oh. I know, the agreement, but when you asked me to be the father, well, I... asked you to be the donor. I, I, and I thought that and I... And never mind the agreement, it's a contract, a signed one, Michael. My... I feel very attacked. Lawyer thinks that I can probably get around that. Oh, shit. You've been to a lawyer? It's one thing to... I thought that... But to have... You don't have a baby, Michael. I have a baby. You provided sperm. I don't want her to grow up without a father. Eleanor does not want to be married with children. Huh. Huh? 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 Now, I'm going to give the episode time to breathe, but it definitely feels a little David E. Kelly-y to, like, frame Eleanor as, as a bad guy for you know like the, the trope is that the the, bo- the man doesn't want anything to do with the baby but here he does right so we're flipping it on its head but also like there's a there's a big difference between surrogacy and like sperm donation she probably should have went to a bank I guess but well yeah you know, I, 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 I tried think, Keith they I, wouldn't I don't take think my David Kelly's not on really mm-hmm. I don't think David Kelly's not on her side but now we need to hear about the, the, uh, the term the sperm story uh, I just I'm too short you need it to be old. You need to be like six feet or whatever. A couple places I went. Really? That's kind of shitty. Yep. He changed his mind? Yes. And we have a contract. And he says he's going to try to get around it. He's already been to see a lawyer. Okay, try to calm down a little. Who is this guy? His name is Michael Hale. He is a very successful photographer and he is an old friend. A friend like ding, friends? Ding, ding, ding. Or it wasn't Always. a romantic relationship, Lucy. His involvement here is purely genetic. And you have a signed agreement? Yes, fully executed, terminating all of his rights as a father, and now he wants to go to court and get avoided. When's the hearing? I'm not sure. I I threw him out. I'm not... I I don't know. Okay. Some interesting legal implications. Like how much parental input is he allowed to have? Would he be allowed to have? Once we get a judge involved, it's complicated, Eleanor. It's not like he said he's going for custody. Well, I, think I he can't is. believe he's doing this. At least we partial have custody. A deal. Lucy's still at work, by the way. No, no trauma Madam days McGowan, off for her. Please. You are. No. I'm Lizzie Hatcher, rape crisis. Second door. She should take some time off from rape crisis counseling. But high jinks gonna high jinks. Being <laughs> Try to get a little rest. Just got exploded. That's I'm all. I'll talk to your dad. I'm sorry. Who are you? Lucy Hatcher, rape crisis. Uh, probably inappropriate time to do what the hell is Lucy wearing? But I do want to point it out because she looks badass. She's got this awesome leather jacket and this like super '70s like green collar thing collar. happening. Yeah, it's cool. No, it looks great. But actually, while we're stopped, 
I, I need a ruling. Okay. So uh, the doctor who just spoke there is played by Richard Topol. And he's playing Dr. Josh Inwood in this. However, he, same actor, played the character Josh Inwood previously. But at that point, he was a coroner. And he will be back as a doctor, still Josh Inwood, and then back again to being a coroner. So is the character uh, continually changing occupations? Or did they just continue to forget? Like, he's a doctory something. We'll just bring him back. Well, for the for our continuum, I'm going to say that he's just a hardworking man in showbiz, and he wants, he has two careers. He is both a coroner and a medical doctor. Which is actually really handy if you're a terrible medical doctor to also be the coroner. Yeah. It's also, yeah, you, you get a good twofer. Yeah, you do double dipping. I love it. I mean, it does does it does make us relinquish the 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 bumper, but so be it. Yeah. Oh, I already did the rape kit. I need to speak to the father, then I'll be back. Okay. Amanda, I'm Lucy Hatcher, a counselor from the rape crisis. Oh boy. Fucking hell. Yeah. So. She a little girl. How old are you? Eleven. Yeah, CEO Jen just knocking it out of the park. Brought me lunch, brought me coffee. Just damn. She's been running gone for a company. Over three hours. They usually back yeah. here in an hour. Bring me lunch. I'm Let hungry. Me Although I don't know that we really, I don't know that we've really incorporated. <laughs> we have incorporated. Oopsie LLC. What's our tax write-off <laughs> status? Have you been collecting? Have you been collecting on our taxes, Keith? <laughs> I've been, been paying the quarterly taxes. Excuse me. Could you check on the status of patient Rebecca Washington? She went down to radiology. This episode of Practice brought to you by Awesome Leather Jackets. Yes. Hold on. Truly. Yes. ICU patient Washington Rebecca went for a PET scan and a CAT scan at 7.30. Man, makeup really went crazy with that lady. She did. Yeah, that nurse... I think it's played She's by Terry Tabakin, but it no, was hard to tell on No, she uh, isn't. IMDb. Would you check with patient escorts, please? Thank you. Well, she should be up here shortly. Well, when does she leave radiology? Well, I'm not sure, but I'm sure she'll be back here shortly. Hold on. Hey, Eugene's got to raise how everybody you. goes. Um, Eugene got a Eugene. No, she isn't. Mm-hmm. Where the okay. hell's Rebecca? What's going on? I'm going to page the doctor. Yes, before you do that, nurse, I want to know where Miss Washington is. I don't know. Well, who does know? I don't know. Is she lost? At the moment, that's a possibility. Ladies and gentlemen, tune in Tuesdays at 9.30 for David E. Kelly's new slapstick situational comedy, Where the Hell's Rebecca? (laughs) Rebecca's lost in bed. She can't walk around cause she's mostly super dead. But we don't know where she is. She could be in the hall, but we just don't know at all. That was pretty good. I was quickly trying to come up with a rhyme with Jehovah's Witness, but I didn't do it in time to to help. (laughs) You keep talking to that. You might think she's wit. Witless, but she's just a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> Roaming the halls. She's got a touch of tetanus. 
to me in terms of contract, but... Because that's what we have, Michael. You and I... I understand. And I fully intended to go through with it, but... So what's changed? What's changed is circumstances. How? Tell me. Before, I was thinking in terms of genetics. In terms of sperm fertilizing an egg. But when it becomes a person... The idea was for it to become a person, Michael. Yes, but... I had no conception of how that would affect me. It will be my child. No, it won't. And whatever she any contract will be may my say. Child. All right, all right. Look, none of us wants to turn this into a big mess. Well, that's exactly what your client is doing. Eleanor. Guys, we know that saying. voice. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Folks, that is the famous voice of Penny Johnson Gerald as attorney Laurie, Laura Garrett, who most people know from 24, The Larry Sanders Show, Absolute Power, The Orville, Castle, ER. But I will know her, of course, as Cassidy Yates on Deep Space Nine. Uh, unnecessary Star Trek reference. She has been major characters on so many like really legendary shows. She's great. What's up, Penny Johnson? Gerald. And she was such a great villain on 24. Sorry to speak over you. This case feels a little bit like last week's case on Boston Public, where though interesting dynamics, and I'm 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 curious, it does feel like it's when it comes to the law, it's pretty clear cut. When it comes to custody and things like that, I mean it's it's pretty much in the paper, right? Well, not. Re- I think in this a this was sort of the early days of it uh, legally. But if it's just a strict sperm donation, he's not the father. It's not like they hooked up. This was a specific sperm donation, and she put a specific contract in place mm-hmm. outlining all of this stuff. So it actually should be cut and dry in her favor, as opposed to the opposite. It reminds me a little bit. Uh, and maybe you can Google this for me while I'm watching so I pay attention, but <clears throat> there's a, a show I just added to my HBO Max uh, queue. It's called like The Fertility God or the something like that, and it's it's the oh, case of that yeah. doctor who was a fertility clinic doctor and ended up just like impregnating uh, hundreds of peop- of women with his own sperm. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember when that broke. That was crazy. That'd be fun, Doc. I'll put it in the show notes. We're looking for paternity, then joint custody. Absolutely not. You I will primary. not raise my child in a split environment, having her pulled between two... Look, I'm here right now trying to avoid going to court. If you're Then go to court, Michael, because there is no way in hell I am going to give you joint custody. Which... She, I mean, that was the deal. A minute outside while you two discuss. My position right. will not change in a minute. Or the quality of the and video we see compared you to last week. With mm-hmm. a judge. <laughs> it looks like it's in 4K. It's, it's not. I'm not looking for a battle, Eleanor. Well, you've got one, Michael. Come on. Now, it's circumstance, right? Like, I have a, a dear friend who was asked by a, uh, a lesbian couple to... Uh, sire their child so he uh donated his sperm to one of the two women and they had a baby right. 
and their contract. I don't know what their how exactly the legalities are set up, but he is involved. They the the, the child do, will know he's his dad, that that's the father. The grandparents mm-hmm. are grandparenting, and they have he he doesn't have custody, but you know it's a very he's open, like a part of it. Yeah, right. it's a very open thing. Now that's awesome. That clearly is partially what this man wants, but. If that's not the agreement going into it, that's where we have this conflict. No, that's why you have a contract ahead of time. Um, There's all it, sorts of ways to do stuff. You you have to do what you agreed on. And, you know, to Eleanor's circumstance, you know, I think it's easy. In fact, one of my first impulses was to say, well, then why didn't she go to just an anonymous clinic where they, you know, it's it's a closed situation. But there's there's a lot of variables there, right? You look at a dossier and you get some information, but to know the guy and to know... To have a, him be a friend and have the ability, a personal to, connection. Sure, yeah. I can see. Obviously, see the. Uh, I mean, I've told you before. I've, I've was. I've been asked this. Have I told you the story? I've been asked to do the very same. Have you? Like recently? No, this was years ago. Uh, that actually, the friend that I gifted that song to their wedding uh, had asked me, and oh. it actually never was able to get too far because, unfortunately, one of the women passed away. Yes. Right. Oof. We may not win, Illinois. The law on this in Massachusetts is untested. Then we're about to test it. Listen, I'm not Defiant necessarily Illinois saying make a deal. Illinois. But if you agree to some oh, limited custody... I won't. My fear is if a judge opens this thing up, there's a risk of full joint custody. How? We have a contract. I understand. But what if that contract doesn't hold up? No, I understand the necessity of like talking through all of this for the audience, but like Eleanor knows all of this. Like, why is Jimmy telling Eleanor lawyer things? Right. Are you suggesting, Ms. Garrett, this was not a valid contract? I'm suggesting that there was no meeting of the minds. It's the equivalent of a mistake. A mistake? Yes. Mr. Hale had no idea what he was giving up. Now, wait a second. Your Honor, this contract violates public policy. There is no question that if my client wanted to surrender a child for adoption, he couldn't do that legally until four days after the child was born. And why is that? Because the law doesn't want parents signing away their rights before they know what's really at stake. Mr. Hale always knew exactly what was at stake when... How can you make that claim? Because he executed a contract. Yes. And perhaps there should be a presumption in favor of that agreement, but it can't be irrebuttable. Not when you're talking about a child. And there will be a child that this very much affects. And that's what's dawning on my client here. His daughter will come to him one day, like it or not, and she may ask... Sorry to pause, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. But, Keith, steer me back here. That picture Eleanor showed us seemed to be a relatively early pregnancy. Am I, am I wrong in that? It, didn't, didn't we find out she was pregnant along the same lines as Lindsay? Like, aren't, aren't the pregnancies... Didn't Lindsay just give birth to, like, a giant baby? Yes. No, I, uh, I think Eleanor is eight months pregnant at this point. Okay. But I, I don't really know much about sonograms to tell you the age of the baby. Me neither, from which is clearly sonogram. my confusion. Yeah, but it just, okay. So so he's he's now decided, so there's no, it's not like Eleanor can 
you know, if this was like a month in and she could she could decide, okay, well, I'm going to have an abortion at that point. Because that's interesting. That's an interesting court case, too. Right. She wants to have an abortion. And he's like, no, I want, you know, actually, that's not I think he'd actually have less a chance of winning that. But uh, this is pretty far, far along. So Eleanor, should she lose is out of a lot of options. Right. Right, yeah, no, the, so the stakes well, she didn't get for to her have personally are very high What here. is he supposed to do then? Hold up a contract? All right. I want to hear from the parties on this. Why? Because if Mr. Hale is claiming no meeting of the minds, I want to explore exactly what they thought they were agreeing to. Two o'clock. That's Richard McGonagall as Judge Wilcox. We've seen him many times before. Jimmy. Excellent, really fair. Please don't take this the wrong the way because I know you're here part. to support me and I really appreciate it. But that was a horrible performance in there. If a contract is clear on its face, which this one is, you do not go behind it to explore the intent of the parties. There was nothing ambiguous in the language and you should have been screaming that instead. Eleanor, this isn't an ordinary contract. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you believe that, you're not thinking clearly. Now listen to me. That judge was not about to rule on the face of the language. Not when it involves a child. He's taking into account best interests. You know it as well as I do. Fine. Then I want to go after Michael as unfit. With what? I'll tell you what. Hell yeah. You want to get? He's gonna play and be the sperm donor. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. That's my Michael Keaton. <laughs> in case you weren't aware. <laughs> <laughs> yes, nailed it. <laughs> I, I love actually the dynamic of Jimmy and Eleanor here because they had a tiff with the whole pregnancy thing in the first place. Jimmy wasn't really loving the way she was going about it. Remember his conservative values butted against it. And he wasn't very congratulatory, and she called him on it personally. So yeah. we have a bit of that. But now Michael is, uh, excuse me, Jimmy is clearly looking out for her, trying to protect her, and it, and being the being the cool head in this scenario. So it's a really cool flip of the script. Yeah, and they've been a tag team last couple of episodes. Oh, yeah, they, neither forget. one of them gives a shit about Rebecca. No time. Just like taking case after we case. We are looking into it. I assure you. You're looking into it? How do you lose a patient? It's possible that she could have been brought to another patient's room who also has the name Washington. And we're checking that out now. What are the other possibilities? Well, she could have regained consciousness. She could be roaming around the building. Would she be strong enough? Well, she'd be weak, but she had no injuries that would prevent her from being ambulatory. This is some TV bullshit. I'm Natalie Clarkson Relations. There's a problem? Yes, there's a problem. You've lost my daughter. Okay, and she was last seen where? So for them she to gather all these parties, she's been gone They've at least a half Rebecca, an hour. They've lost Rebecca, Bobby, and now they send someone oh, yeah. for customer service? You have lost my Customer daughter. service is played by Jeannie St. James. What are you two whispering about? Hold, please. There is another Washington, a Regina Washington, who is currently... What room is she in? Well, she's listed as being in surgery right now. Um, she's having her kidney removed. Where the hell's her kidney? Rebecca's losing body parts. Uh, for the record, my Hi. prediction of Rebecca's arc on this episode is less hey, far-fetched 
then they <laughs> accidentally wheeled her to surgery to remove a kidney. She's a district attorney. She's going to get the guy who did this to you. So Lucy brought I in Helen to, a little bit to, the to police. help the girl. Can I speak to you too? We haven't seen Helen in a while. Dad said it would be okay if I asked you some questions. Probably filming something. Her. She's here to help. Good news is we caught him. At least I'm pretty sure of it. What I was wondering is... I was wondering whether you'd be able to look at what we call a police lineup. What's that? Well, you look at five men standing side by side, and you point to the man who did it. If you see him. No. Well, Amanda... No, I don't want to see him. Let me talk to Miss Gamble one second. Yes. Does she have to? The rape kit turned up nothing. No semen, no DNA. This whole case comes down to eyewitness testimony. So what, it would be her word against his? No, we have another eyewitness. A woman saw it from a balcony. Can't you just arrest on that? Yes, but the truth is, if Amanda IDs him now in a lineup, our case gets better. And she's more likely to ID him at trial. I don't think she's strong enough emotionally to see him. I really don't. I'll push it through arraignment. We'll see how it goes. Thank you. There just wasn't any room in my life for a family. As a photojournalist, I'm always leaving for Bosnia or Vietnam, you name Little it. Little fan. Fan. I never even considered having a child. Until Miss Frud asked for your help. I knew she wanted a baby. And when she approached me to be the donor, it just felt right. And I knew how great she'd be with a child. And I thought if I could do that for her, give her that chance, how could that be wrong? You signed an agreement. Yes. Relinquishing your rights as a father to this child. All I can say is I made a mistake. I wanted it to work. I signed the contract thinking it would. But this isn't some abstract gift I can give. It's a child. My child, who deserves to grow up with the love of her father. When you negotiated this agreement, did you have a lawyer? Yes. You intended to give up your rights to this child? Yes, but as I said... And now you want the court to disregard your intent? I'm asking that my current intent be given more weight, especially since it serves the best interest of this child. Let's consider, then, the interests of your son, Mr. Hale, the one who's seven years old. Objection. Overruled. What son is this? Mr. Hale? Plan B. The plan B secret Seven years son. ago, a girlfriend of yours had a child. I was young. I wasn't ready to act like a father. But now you are. Yes, now I am. Are you being a father to this seven-year-old boy? No. Why oh. not? You don't think he needs the love of his father? Objection. Overruled. Have you even met that son, Mr. Hale? Look, I lost the chance to know my son. I can't just walk up to a seven-year-old kid and introduce myself. But here, I have a chance to be there from the start. Ever tell my client you could never be responsible enough to raise a child? I once thought that, but I... Oh, you changed your mind on that, too. People mature, Mr. Berluti. Is breaking a contract a sign Tim of maturity? Tim doing a really good have job Have you ever here. been a father, sir? Mm -hmm. No, but you have. Seven years ago, 
You failed. You're still failing. Objection. Overruled. And now you put this woman under stress while she's eight months pregnant. So is Jimmy. That's not my intent. You know your intent. Objection. Withdrawn. I think it's great because, like we said, maybe, or maybe not, the letter of the law is going to be clear. Well, to be determined. However, it is nice to see a case where nobody's particularly malevolent. Malevolent? Yeah, as it was coming out of my mouth, I knew it was being pronounced incorrectly, but I was just going to roll with it. But I, I do appreciate you bringing it up. Uh, Malevolent. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, but what I'm getting at is like, he, he's not unreasonable. I hear where yeah. he's coming from, and, no, and, and I'm sure. sympathetic to it. I don't think he's right, but uh, I guess... No, they're, they're all reasonable people. They're good. I mean, it's not like they're, he's a bad guy. It's Unfortunately, they can't. I guess wants. they. I guess they can't have Eleanor be. Not that she's unreasonable. She's just a little irate, uh, because it's not good TV if everybody's just like hunky dory and trying to find a nice uh, middle ground. Well, but you understand from her point of view why the stakes are so high and why this feels like such a betrayal because it's like somebody having custody of your child, even partial custody, is a giant thing. Especially when you decided at whatever age to, I'm going to do this on my own. I want to be a single parent. I'm fit to be a single parent, and I'm prepared to be a single parent. And I've now set the table to be a single a single parent and protected myself legally from all sides and protected my child legally from all sides. And now right, it's trying to right. be usurped. Yeah. Yeah, totally. How many months a year are you in town, Mr. Hale? I am willing to adjust my lifestyle to be here more. You have a girlfriend, sir? I do. How old is she? What relevance does her age... The witness has suggested that he's growing up. How old is your girlfriend, sir? She's 20. Ever been convicted of anything? Objection. Mm. Whether he has a record, I think, speaks to his fitness as a parent. I'll allow it. Ever been convicted of anything, sir? Let's make it easy. How's that Ever not Ever been relevant? convicted in the relevant. last year? Yes. Drugs? Possession of marijuana. Are you a pothead? No, I'm not. But you smoke dope. I Guilty. have used it recreationally, <laughs> very occasionally. But you've probably changed your mind about that now, right? No, man, I dig it. <laughs> What's so funny? Like 2001, ooh, pothead, yeah, terrified. So wherever she is, she's well, I'm much more kids. concerned with about feeling like an asshole because I'm malevolent. Not a funny joke. <laughs> I feel like a yes, malevolent yes. asshole. No. Has this You're happened not. before? I, I, really was, it <laughs> was, I really could not remember how to pronounce that word. And uh, I thought, maybe if you hadn't said anything, I would have just thought I was right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the nerd bully Malevo on the other side malevolent? of the mic. Malevolent? <laughs> malevolent. Malevolent. <laughs> Keith, you know, here, here, listen, buddy. I will tell you if you're an asshole. Sometimes, Keith, <laughs> dear audience, sometimes Keith will text me like, should I have said whatever? Should I have... Was that wrong? Should I take it out of the episode? And I'm like, Keith, nobody thinks you're an asshole. Like, well, no, no, no. Plenty oh, of people think you're an asshole. A lot of people think I'm plenty, an asshole. But like, you're you're a good-hearted, you're a good soul, buddy. And I would, I would, it would I'm, take a lot for you to piss me off. I'm, I'm like, I'm the, I'm the, uh, the curmudgeon of the podcast, which is my role in life. So it's, it's weird when it's not it's, me. It's odd. Yeah. Well, you know, we sort of <laughs> play the opposite roles. Yeah. On, on the podcast, but it has happened. We're searching radiology. After that, we're going through every floor, every room. Who took her? I just fake a good Somebody had a wheeler out of the CAT scan. 
Yes, the escort who was to bring Rebecca back to the ICU finished work at noon. We haven't been able to find him I also smoke a lot more weed. He's not at home, and he doesn't have cell. That's true as well. Look, obviously, I can't excuse this. All I can say, I know she's somewhere in the building, and we'll find her. This is ridiculous. Where's Rebecca? We're getting a shot of the maternity ward. There Wait a second. she is. What is happening? They lost her in the baby store. Of all the play, two episodes of Rebecca dying in a hospital bed, and this is where we go to weekend at Bernie's territory. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna do like a whole big comedy beat after last episode. Just like life and death stakes, and we have to give her a blood transfusion or she dies, and we like, you know, assassinate her mother and her religious beliefs now, like, and now it's a, like she's a lost 70s, at maternity. It's like a love boat episode. Don't get me wrong, I, I wanna know how this happened. Is nothing beneath you? Oh, Sir, Jimmy you're represented by counsel. We have been maybe best friends most of our adult lives, and you attack me like that for what? Legal strategy? Um, a baby? You think that was legal strategy? To protect my baby. I'm protecting my daughter. I'm a grizzly. Also, for the second half of this episode, obviously you can't see it if you're watching, but Ted McGinley has a horribly bloodshot eye. Yeah, he looks like... Which uh, is... Which is, I, I imagine they must have had like an emergency meeting on set to try to figure out what to do about it. He's under a lot of stress. It, it happens, buddy. No, I mean, please, I get it. But just like it, you know, when you're filming a TV show to have something like that that you can't fix with makeup, you know, they weren't going to like CG it. They couldn't couldn't even do it at that point. So they had to like, do we acknowledge it? Do we not acknowledge it? Do we re- recast? Like, what do we do? And they I just didn't even see it until right it. now, but it is it is now, I see it. Yeah. Well, your turn comes next. Oh shit. Well, you can't, wait. You can't call her an unfit parent. It's her, what? Let's see. I just need you to find 11,430 sperm. That's all we need. <laughs> I just need to find, I just need you to find it. I, I, it's there, I swear. There's no way we lost this custody hearing. No way. Everyone's Case saying. No way I lost my sperm. Commonwealth versus Bruce Wilson. Rape of a minor under the age of 12. Joshua and we shut the, the jokes defense, down now. Your Honor, we waive reading. We'd be seeking personal recognizance. Opposed? My client has strong roots in this community. No job, lives in a housing project. We consider him dangerous as well as a flight risk. Also, he Bail is denied. Rules. Move for a probable yeah, cause. that's not good. Tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. Your Honor, I haven't yet spoke with our and witness. Why are you filing charges? That's Judge Abraham Betts. Yes, halt, let's do it. with your witness. Uh, that judge is played by Charles Napier, who you have seen in everything because he plays a judge or a military guy in everything, including Rambo's First Blood Part Two, Silence of the Lambs, Austin Powers, Blues Brothers, Deep Space Nine. He was in the episode Little Green Men. He has 203 IMDb credits. Meanwhile, while we're doing it, I know that lawyer from somewhere. The 
attorney of that monster is played by David Aaron Baker, uh, who was in Boardwalk Empire, Revolution, Madoff, Billions, Kissing Jessica Stein, and The Deuce. Uh, but I, he was also in a movie called The Tao of Steve, which was a little indie movie that I remember <laughs> going to see in the little indie theater on a date in 2000. Uh, starred him and Donald Logue, who uh, was on the uh, practice multiple times. Listen, we'll see you back here tomorrow. Dan. Miss Gamble. I'm Amanda's father. Oh. Father's played by Donald sorry. Sage McKay. What's going to happen? Of casting. Well, we have a probable cause hearing, so I need to find the woman who witnessed She's it. right there. Uh-oh. Michael and I have been friends for a long time. This is in trouble. We'll talk about I her I chose later. him as a donor because I liked him for genetic reasons and most of all because I trusted him on his word. But you don't want him as a co-parent. That's why we signed this agreement. Could you tell me your main objection? I don't believe I need a man in my life to raise a happy, healthy daughter. There are a lot of single mothers today who are doing whatever it takes to fulfill their responsibilities as a parent. Moreover, if I were sharing those responsibilities with a man, I never would have chosen Michael Hale. Why don't you want him to participate? Because I'm not in love with him. Got horribly bloodshot eyes. And he doesn't love me. And now, I don't trust him. I got pregnant, I changed my life based on promises he broke. And if we were forced together as co-parents, our entire relationship would be grounded in betrayal. Excellent and that testimony. mistrust would most definitely harm this child. But is it better for the child to lose contact with her father? In this case, yes. It would be better for my daughter to have one loving parent than to be thrown into a situation that is already filled with tension and acrimony. Are you suggesting Mr. Hale is unfit to be a father? How can I trust him to? Look at his history. Look at how he's behaved here. This is as irresponsible as it is arbitrary. I am eight months pregnant. I'm in court. He has put me under stress, put the baby under stress, all on his sudden whim that he wants to be involved. Well, if you agreed to let him parent, you wouldn't be in court. Your Honor, he may be well-intentioned, but what's his real motivation? Who's to say this isn't about guilt over abandoning a son, about redemption, about himself, rather than any real desire to be a father? So you don't need a man to help you raise a child. Are you currently with a man, Ms. Frutt? No. If you were currently involved with a man, would you still be having a child as a single parent? I don't know, Miss Garrett. If I were sharing my life with a man, I would likely expect him to be a part of this decision. But I was not involved with anybody at the time that I made this contract. I was not involved with your client, nor am I involved with anybody now. I would never have chosen to have a child with him. She's the Ms. perfect Frank, witness. If you were convinced that Mr. Hale would in fact be a model father, would you change your position? No. Because I'm not in love with him. And Keith, dollars to donuts. Do they bring up the fact mm -hmm. that her last boyfriend uh, tried to murder her? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, dollars to donuts and uh, head and bags. I yeah, no. I understand. Uh, I don't think they are. Uh, but let's be fair. That's true. Like, she's very bad. Then uh, you very are bad talking about what you want, not necessarily the best interests of the child. I don't accept that, Your Honor, because I don't accept your hypothetical that he could ever be a model parent. You consider yourself Ouch. an authority on parenthood? I consider myself an authority on my child. Are you aware of studies, including one from the U.S. Justice Department, that show children from single-parent homes are more likely to drop out of school, more likely to commit crimes? Most of those studies are pertaining to Quayle impoverished here? families. <laughs> I have financial means. Will you be yes, letting your child play you violent video plan games? Plan to continue working? <laughs> yes. Are they listening to When do you plan to go back to work, lyrics? I'm not sure. Within three years? Yes. Are you aware of the studies showing that the child's attachment to the working mother can be significantly harmed? I'm aware of the studies that reject that position. Some even say a child can benefit from their experiences at daycare. Do you plan to put the child in daycare? I will not be cross-examined on whether or Ms. not... Ms. Frutt, if you go back to work full-time, you won't be the only primary caregiver. Who will help you? I plan to hire. You haven't yet? No. Because I haven't needed to yet. So we don't know who this other primary caregiver will be. You just don't want it to be her father. He is not the father. He is a sperm donor. Okay. Are you aware of the U.S. Department of Education report that says children do better in schools when their fathers are involved? Well, I would be very surprised if that study embraced non-resident fathers. Well, it did. But my question was, did you even read the study? <laughs> no. So what studies on single parenting did you rely on before deciding to become a single mother? Are you aware, for example, that single parent children are more likely to be antisocial, more likely to suffer from anxiety, depression, hyperactivity, are more likely to need psychiatric care, are more likely to commit suicide as a teenager, more likely to drop out of school? More likely than who? Children of married, intact parents? What about divorced parents? Are their children more so like... So you are an authority. Do you know the statistics, Ms. Frutt? I know yeah, but here's all the, the risks. Like, what Eleanor's response to that is, that study is not taking into account why the child becomes... Why it becomes a single-family home. Because if... She's talking about doing it with intent, by choice, not having a, a horrible divorce or having one of the parents die or any of the other causes of that, which all of which are traumatic to a child and, and would be very likely to be causing all the things that she's talking about. So yeah, and, and when you the, get even when you even start to splice the nature nurture sort of studies, there's so many variables. You can never have a true isolated study. You just can't. It can't be. Jen yeah. and I go back and forth about this quite often. We we do a, a, a comparison because both of our parents had a very both of our sets of parents had a very antagonistic relationship. Uh, mm. Different, obviously, on many levels, but similar in that they we wouldn't describe them as people who loved each other. All right, uh, mm -hmm. her parents got divorced. My parents, quote unquote, stayed together, and we have a lot of similar psychological baggage and trauma because of it. You could, sure. you know, and and that. That is a very anecdotal uh, evidence of just how 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 crazy it is. And, and what's even funnier to me is not funnier. It, what's interesting to me is that uh, 
watching this episode so far removed from the time period actually is a detriment to it because it rings a little ridiculous. Like, also, I juxtapose it to I'll never forget my brother had his second child and we were taking her home from the hospital. My, uh, my sister-in-law at the time had to stay in the hospital for a few extra days. So my brother was taking the baby home and uh, she was had been premature, so she was tiny, dude. She was smaller than a Cabbage Patch doll. She was teeny tiny. And Oof. there's a picture of her in the car seat and she just looks like a doll. It looks fake, she's so tiny. And I remember my brother just breaking down in the driver's seat and being like, I can't believe they just are letting me take her home. And that's the yeah. truth. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. nobody's, n- nobody, before you leave the hospital, nobody cross-examines you. Nobody sees that you're fit. Right. Nobody asks you if you read the books, asks you if you know the statistics. They just send you home. And uh, it's uh, it's often interesting. I have a ton of friends who have adopted children and the money and the hoops and the and the red right. tape that you need to get a child in that regards versus just popping one out is well it's it's harder to adopt a cat than it is yeah to to have your own child so you know it, i'm not going to i'm not going to tell you whether i think the the biological father in any regards should have any rights blah, blah 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 i don't know the law and i don't really know where i come down on that i do know that cameron in no way shape or form deserves i understand why it's happening but she is no way shape or form deserves uh, does or or need prove that she will be a good parent because guess what, there ain't no good parents. Well, and, and there are a lot of parallels here to uh, same sex couples mm. adopting children or having their own children, and all of these same arguments that she's making here against single parenthood is this are the same arguments that you make that these people make about uh, same-sex couples. Like, you need to have a mom and a dad. And and, and it's just utter nonsense yeah. once you yes. actually, w- once it gets, when you, once you get down to it, once you actually see it, it's utter nonsense. So many of our friends are, are you know, same-sex couples with kids, and they're amazing. It's, um, this is a bizarre tangent, and I'll get off it after this, but, like, it's, it's anytime, I, I've been watching <laughs> quite a few, uh, ec- uh shows about uh, serial killers over the past week <laughs> off I had. And, I'm excited to see how this is connected. Well, no, and they always try to like draw some sort of parallel to something that happened in their upbringing that can that can define it. And it's just... Right, that explains it. You yeah. can't do that because, okay, even those, you know, they were raped by a, a, a family member and they were treated terribly and they had no... They were locked in a closet or, you know, some of the crazy torture things you hear uh, unfortunately happen to children doesn't mean all those people will become serial killers. You know, it's, it's, you just can't, the, the, it it can't be done anyway. Yeah. Next question, ironically enough, is do you plan to be a serial killer? Will, will you father a child with Hinks? Miss Garrett, and you simply decided to assume them on behalf of your daughter uh, in her best objection. This is badgering. It is no such thing. uh, I am merely trying to ascertain whether the witness knows of these studies, knows of these statistics, as she boldly claims she knows what's best for her daughter. I know I am not a statistic fighting to survive. I have choices. And I know my daughter would be better off without your client as a co-parent. Because you make no room for the possibility that he can change. And you don't want to give him the chance to change, do you, Miss Frud? Because it's not it's what not you want. It's not responsibility. 
Please say it for the record. Because one day, your daughter may want to read it. I mean, she's a great lawyer. Oh, the eye. Close up on the eye. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Looks like a murder scene. (laughs) What if Rebecca woke up? Oh my God, Rebecca woke up. Where's my baby? Well, hello there. Where am I? Not Las Vegas, tell you that. What? What happened? What happened? You need to ask what happened? You had a baby. (laughs) What do you mean I had a baby? You had a little baby girl. Seven pounds, two ounces. A beautiful little baby. No, I got blowed up. What are you talking about? Maybe you better lie back down. No, you lie back down. I didn't have a baby. I I was blown up. That's what I was. What's wrong? Says she didn't have a baby. She was blown up. I know how you feel. My first oh child in Vagina joke. the epidural. I didn't have a baby. What's wrong with you people? Can I, can I? Poor Rebecca Washington. They just. <sighs> They're playing it for laughs. Like it's, this is a hilarious side story. Season five, Keith, I can't wait till we explore season five. You write one of the best villains on TV and then you kill him in the next episode. You make Rebecca the. Off camera. The, the moral center of your whole show. And then you like blow her up, and then make a joke about it. It's just, a, a lot of it doesn't make sense to me. Get a phone. I did not have a baby. Can we make a I mean, call under different Bob? circumstances, yes. this Bobby is Donald. a perfectly Seven fine, five. funny plot I know line. Bobby Donnell. He had a baby, too. Where the hell am I? Is this some rubber room or something? I was blown up. I didn't have a baby. she's funny. Roberta, you need to calm <laughs> down. Hilarious. My name is not Roberta. It's Rebecca. I was never pregnant. I didn't have a baby. I never had a baby. I don't want a baby. Can you get that through your baby happy head? Yes. <laughs> you were blown up. This is the missing patient. Your name is Rebecca? Yes. Single, without child. This is the missing patient. How is that even possible? I mean, stuff like that happens, but where the fuck is Roberta? Roberta's one kidney down, I tell you that. (laughs) I I think she might be. And after he ran off... All right, here's the the witness to the race. All right, let's do it. She looks toe up. Witness who looks a little shifty. Witness who either had a rough day or is in a 90s grunge band. Yes, this witness is played by Jamie Ann Ullman, uh, who has had a great career. She was uh, in Bosch Preachers, The Killing, First Man, and The Notebook. But I, of course, know her because in uh, a one year from this episode, she will be with CCH Pounder, basically playing the same character on The Shield. She had a a long arc as a strung out prostitute on The Shield. So I don't know. Maybe she got the role because she uh, plays strung out well. Keith, this is sacrilege, I'm sure. Yes. But Jen informed me yesterday. Is it true? Did David E. Kelly write Friday Night Lights? Uh, The original movie? No, the, the television show? I don't think so. I feel like I would know that. If she that told me who case. it was, and I, I. But we were either talking about that, or maybe it was uh, West Wing, Sorkin. No, no, it wasn't Sorkin. Uh, no, it's Peter Berg. Why did? What was she? Hey, Jen. 
Peter Berg was on uh, yeah. David E. Kelly's Chicago Hope. Maybe. What did you tell me about Friday Night Lights? Who you said like? It's not David E. Kelly. Oh, it's not. No. I don't know, but we gotta. Sorry, I don't mean to. To. I'm not trying to blow you up on air. I just all of a sudden it popped in my head. I me I meant to mention it. Okay. God Price, damn it, CEO. Price is averted. Unfortunately, oh, Jen just... has been. I can't find Jen. She's been wheeled. I think they're taking her kidney. Oh, about oh, the man you oh saw. God. Yes. She's going to come back with like three babies because they he just hand him the out there. I know who he is. Miss Tritter, I smell alcohol. Uh oh. Have you been drinking? I've had a few beers. <laughs> it's been a day. Oh, that's fair. At the time you saw rape. the rape, were you drinking then? Yeah, Two seriously. Beers. I mean, I'm just unpacking boxes, and Our I've had a few beers. Our hearing is at 10 a.m. tomorrow. I'd prefer you not drink before that. How about a few okay. Harvey Wallbangers? What, what even is that? I don't know. I had to sing it in a song last week, and it's apparently a drink that 20s-type detective, detective would drink. Are you oh. I, I, I don't know. Everybody keeps telling me I had a baby and that Bobby had a baby. I don't know what's going on. There was a Roberta Washington who checked out. Rebecca, I'm Dr. Emmerich. Can I just look in your eyes for a second? It's a miracle. I don't know what happened. I mean, I remember some explosion and... And then these wackos keep telling me everybody's having babies. Like, Lindsay and I did have a baby. A little boy. Robert Gordon Donald. Bobby, baby. baby, Bobby. Yeah. He's so narcissistic, he named his baby after himself. And he needs a kid pretty badly, so... Since you're already <laughs> hooked up to the machines, we were thinking... Look at that Jimmy's early webcam. How's it going? Well, I'm studying up. I'll be ready. Insert apology here. Am I being selfish? Oh. No. What's best for that baby? Not him. Then that's the answer. Period. I love Michael Bonaluco. God damn, he's, he's so, so good. He's so good. And it, watching him do this I'll case, be ready, Eleanor. We just ain't losing seeing this. the character's growth in his confidence and his demeanor in court, like... Okay. He's every bit as confident and smooth as as everybody else now when he used to be so awkward. Not only that, but, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago about how when you cast good actors, you solve a lot of problems for yourself and, and you can get yeah. yourself out of a lot of the corners. Now, a lesser show, a lesser cast would probably have to do what I just said there, would have to have had at some point Jimmy apologize and explain that he's trying really hard on this case to kind of make up for his his behavior when she announced her pregnancy. Yeah. And 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 Eleanor would have to apologize for kind of flipping out at him earlier in the episode. But without saying any of those words in that 30 second beat that we just saw, they accomplished both those tasks through acting, through nonverbal yeah. acting. Yep. Well, and and the the ability to do that is good for the storytelling. It shows good acting, but it also shows something about the characters. Mm -hmm. Shows something about the characters' relationships that that didn't didn't need to be said. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's a 
sweet moment. The uh, the B-roll introductions are much, much window, more helicoptery. That's when I saw him. Him being that man. He was raping the girl. Are you sure it was him? Positive. Thank you, Miss Tritter. No questions. You can step down, ma'am. There's no questions. Miss Gamble, it's thin, but I'm finding probable cause. Defendant is bound over for trial, and trial is scheduled for March 12th. Defendant goes back into custody. We're adjourned. Miss Gamble? Why would, why would that attorney not can I, can I question her? Sure. Especially because it was, like, iffy. I understand that he might want to hold on, hold on to his cards until the, the trial, but that judge yes, was just Ms. like, Trinner. it may or may not you can call me Michelle. even Michelle. pass probable cause. It will definitely come up at trial. The defendant's lawyer is going to try to discredit you with your drinking. I've seen stuff on the news about this already. I just recently met a guy, and I'm also trying to get a job. Dick you know? If he makes me out this big alcoholic... Listen, I won't lie to you. It'll be rough. You're basically our entire case. What about the girl? Well, she's not in the best emotional shape right now. I really need you, Michelle. Okay. Okay, there folks. Is simply no it's basis time for me to find that bumper I can never Michael find. Hale some limit. It's it's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. Will or be married with children? Will she be not married with custody of children? All this and more now. To custody. Every study has shown undeniably the child's psychological well-being is best served with a connection to the father. For young children, it affects cognitive development, social competence, the ability to trust, some studies have even linked the father's involvement to a higher IQ. Paternal involvement during middle childhood has been known to have a positive effect on school success. Your Honor, these studies are as sobering as they are unanimous. Fatherless kids are more susceptible to depression, more likely to commit crimes, to drop out of school, to commit suicide, 11 times more likely to be violent, more likely to abuse drugs. Does this mean a single mother can't successfully raise a child? Of course not. It happens a lot. And to be fair, studies also show that parental conflict can have a negative impact. But the likelihood is that this child will be better off with a connection to her dad. All we're asking for is that he be allowed to be involved. With virtually every study, every child psychologist concurring that this is in the best interests of the child, 
How can Ms. Frutt say no? How can she not be willing to even give Michael Hale a chance? If he's willing to adjust his work, to change his lifestyle, if he's matured and he's ready to accept responsibility, Eleanor Frutt doesn't want to give him that chance because she wants to maintain complete control over that baby. And even if Michael Hale were the perfect father, she would hold fast to that position. They signed that a contract. That is a selfish position. Yeah, it that's has why they, absolutely uh, if, nothing to do but here's, with the best here's interests the thing. of this if baby. If that type of a, if that type of a contract, if what she's saying is true and legally binding, then you wouldn't be able to make that kind of a contract. Yes. Now, I I would imagine, and we haven't parsed this, but she's a. Eleanor's a, a lawyer, for Christ's sake. So I imagine that not only did they sign a contract, but they had it notarized and witnessed and oh, you know, yeah, the, no, whole, like the whole nine. All of that, yeah. Eleanor, I want to respond. Let me. Jimmy, I want Eleanor, to sit. Jimmy. Another great piece of Oh god, they're so they're really good together. Oh yeah. I'd watch their spin-off. That's gross, Keith. I read all those studies. <laughs> I spoke with several This whole case is about spin-offs. And Miss Garrett's right. Better the child have some connection to her father. Better he be involved in her life right from the start. That's the best case scenario. But that scenario wasn't available to Eleanor Frutt. She wasn't with the man. She decided she wanted to be a single parent. So she went to a friend and asked him to be a donor. She never would have done so had there been a condition of his parental involvement. Never. All these studies, none of them apply to this particular situation. As for the best interests of this particular child, yes. We maintain she is better off with Eleanor acting as a single parent. Better off without Watch Eleanor, watch Jimmy here. He failed I with know. his son. Jesus. He's never exercised any real Those degree of maturity or responsibility. Oh, haunting me. <laughs> there are plenty of studies to show the damage caused to a child when a bond is broken once a parent takes off. We maintain it's a risk letting this baby become emotionally attached to Mr. Hale. Ms. Garrett says, why not try? Let's just see. What's the harm? Well, it does do harm in failure. There are studies to show that. Eleanor Frutt is the only person who can be trusted with this child's welfare. She's the only one who's earned that trust. We don't let sperm donors from sperm banks across the country, we don't let them change their minds, start requesting DNA tests so they Correct. can track down their offspring and insert themselves into the kids' lives. He's looking for special treatment just because he knows where his sperm went. A deal was made. Michael Hale has made no demonstration with his past or present behavior that his involvement as a parent would run to the benefit of this child. Accordingly, I would ask the court no not surprise, the to overturn the rights of my client pursuant to this valid, legally enforceable contract. 
just saying it now, so I won't re I won't relitigate this in uh, closings or uh, oopsies. In my opinion, most likely that's the speech he would have given at the original hearing, and this never would have went to a full trial. Like that that is the perfect he made the perfect case. Exactly that. Right. Right. But the problem is like he could only give it was only like a they were talking with the lawyers, the judge wasn't there. There's nobody to give that to. Honey. All they need is for you to testify as to what happened and who did it. Please, Daddy. Look, we don't have to talk about this right now. Hey, how's it going? You tell us. Could I talk to you outside for a second? All I have is an eyewitness from a considerable distance who was probably under the influence. Even with your daughter testifying, I... She's easily shakable, Mr. McGowan. What are you telling because me? Because she's an 11 year old girl. It doesn't girl. look good. He lives in our building. You have to get him, Miss Campbell. He lives in our building. You can't lose this bastard. Jesus. It'll be tough, Mr. McGowan. Episode does better resolution, better. It just looks better. It looks way better. Maybe Hulu switched over to All the better right. resolution. It's possible, but it would still it's still cropped. Be seated. I know they switched to high def at some point around now. So maybe this is a cropped version I've of I've never the had a case signal. like this. There's contract law and there's shot. best Great interests shot. of the child. Yeah. As a matter of public policy. I have to give the latter more weight. Ms. Frutt, all the prevailing studies favor a child's connection with a father. While I don't doubt a single mother can successfully raise a child, I don't think single parenting gives you or your daughter an advantage. I certainly salute your resolve and fortitude. But I'm reminded of Penelope Leach's words. Why is it socially reprehensible for a man to leave a baby fatherless, but courageous or admirable for a woman to have a baby whom she knows will be so? In looking at this particular case, I don't know God, she's so good. whether this child will be better served by Ms. Frott acting alone or with Mr. Hale's involvement. It's crystal ball gazing, mm -hmm. and I just don't know. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to rule on statistical probabilities. But that's parenting in a nutshell. Like, you just don't right. know. Yeah, Without clearly. clear and convincing evidence. We both say with authority as not I'm going parents. to let the contract tip the scale. There you go. I find the She's agreement so at issue here She's valid. so fucking good. Plaintiff's legal rights as a father are thereby terminated. Request to add Mr. Hale's name to the birth certificate upon delivery well. is denied. No, he really has. And we are adjourned. So is the judge. They're all good. Hey, you know, it, it's a real shame that uh, we not screw up his name. The only thing guaranteed here is that a friendship has been ruined. That, yeah, that's that's not gonna. 
it'll uh, feel great. Uh, yeah, Charles McClelland did a great job directing this episode. Visually, editing, got great performances. Like, I don't know why he didn't really direct anything else. You know, as an editor, that's a, that's a good insight, you know, because television is an editor's medium in many ways. Of course, yeah. Okay, okay. well, folks, if you want to see us uh, not edit ourselves at all uh, and continue to run really long, can join us for the, yeah. and the Oopsie Awards uh, uh, back on the YouTubes, or just keep listening and we'll join you in a few shakes of a leg. And we... Are back, baby. Let's hand out some awards. But first, we have everyone's favorite segment. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Oh, Eleanor is pissed because that guy from Married with Children wants her baby. Well, not entirely. He just wants it some of the time. And she says, no, we signed a contract. And Jimmy's like, yo, I'm on your team, even though he hasn't been on her team all the time. And there's some great acting that takes place. And guess what? Eleanor keeps her baby. We go by the contract like Mike said should have happened in the first place. Meanwhile, Rebecca had a baby. No, she didn't. She actually just got wheeled to maternity for no absolute reason. They made it a comedy beat. She was funny, but I don't think the beat was funny. And Bobby showed us Bobby Jr. and uh, something else happened. (laughs) All right. Oh, my uh, God. There was a, a little kid was raped. But that's a to be continued. All right. Mike had 30 seconds to remember two out of the three storylines of this week. They love, right. a, just, they love a dangling Chad. They love to dangle a Chad. Well, that's, uh, that's why we want it. We have to have a reason to come back next week. That's fair. And here's why everyone here keeps coming back every week. It's an award show. An award show we like to call. Ladies and gentlemen. Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake award show that begins every week with the eternal question, who is this week's most Yes, indeed. Um, I mean, I think we can agree that Jimmy Berludi, uh, he did his homework. He kept his emotions in check. He was a good litigator and a good friend to Eleanor Frutt. And so I award my Oopsie Award to Jimmy Barlitti. Yeah, I, I, I think there there certainly is something to be said for fake Dan Quayle, Penny Johnson, Gerald. I thought she did a, a, a really good job articulating that kind of uh, retrograde point of view. Uh, but yeah, no, Jimmy crushed it. Good friend, good lawyer. Got it done, and uh, that's a big deal for uh, for Eleanor. So, good job, Jimmy. And next up, it is time for already famous because you've been on TV, getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go! And you're the best guest actor. You are the best 
have a drumstick. Oh, this whole time. I have an, an actual drumstick right here, which has been, uh, it, it was uh, one of the drumsticks they used in uh, on Rock of Ages. Oh, cool. On the Broadway, but it had been previously uh, holding up a plant. <laughs> and now, and now it's here. You know, I've been to a couple of opening night parties and a couple of just like regular parties with Keith, and uh, that's the most dancing you'll ever see us do in tandem. Oh, absolutely. That I mean, it's only taken us a hundred episodes to get the choreography down. <laughs> <laughs> Which draws many parallels to our oh, I can't wait for them to see your 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 choreo in Titanic. No, no. I I I I look, I I, I negotiated for final cut. <laughs> you have. Oh, you have. But uh, there's no, that negotiation doesn't really uh, pertain when we get to the uh, season five Oopsie Awards. Anyway, uh, you know what? I, I, oh, man, there's a lot I really want to say here. Best guest actor. Maybe we could do a splitty. I do think we should reward both the people's names I don't know, but uh, the judge, who I think deserves an oopsie for this performance, he was really good judging, even though it was... Richard McGonagall, yeah. It wasn't as scene-chewy or as a or as dynamic a role as we see some of our other, you know, Linda Hunts or your... Uh, Kittlesons. Kittlesons get, but it was, you know, the mo- it's a really realistic portrayal of a judge who's weighing both sides of a really difficult case. And I thought he did a great job. Now, I don't want to take anything away from whom I think had a bigger part, which is... Ted McGinley. Ted McGinley. Uh, but I'm going to give it to... Richard McGonagall. Richard. <laughs> See, how we've really, we've really developed... Uh, <laughs> yes, I... I I know Mike's code for I have no fucking clue what this guy's name is. Please rescue me. And today, because I was a I was a vocab dick, I have decided to participate and help you out. So I'm going to give mine to Dookie McGonagall. Richard McGonagall. Okay, yeah. I I I thought he was great. Um, and I think I want to, of course, tip my hat to Cassidy Yates, Penny Johnson, Gerald. Mm-hmm. Uh. But for me, I thought Ted McGinley really did an, an excellent job in sort of a tough role to play because you're sort of a good guy, you're sort of a bad guy, you're sort of a douchebag, you're sort of a, I don't know what your deal is. But it was very clear, what he brought to the character was the clear sense that his character really cared about this. That it, that whatever he was, what why ever he was doing it, he was doing it from an emotionally connected place. And I thought he did a really good job with that. Did a lot of nonverbal acting. So uh, congratulations to Dookie McGonagall and Ted McGinley. Next up, this one's kind of going to be obvious. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor of show I don't know obvious I think there are two obvious choices okay because I think Michael Badaluka was so good so good he was great however I mean it's like Frasier and Ali and at the end of the day Cameron is Ali in this particular circumstance so uh, uh, Cameron Cameron Manheim I think 
had to once again show that range. Whereas she had a straight man in Bataluco who was playing, had to show the emotional, you know, uh, toe the emotional right. straight line. She had to show us those ups and downs, uh, fear, anger, uh, defiance, defiance. Uh, she tear. She didn't even cry at the end. Look, she cried a lot at the end. But we well, yeah. But we joke a lot about like tears win it, right? But for me, right, right. In in all art, it's when you can see somebody at the break of crying, the welling, and it, they're so close, but then they pull it back. That's where I'm like. Because I know how difficult that is, <laughs> yeah. and how that's actually how we are in life. Most of the time, we have to we have to hold it back. And I think uh, Cameron showed an in- insane example of that today in the courtroom before the ruling went down. So anyway, in long sh- in long story long, Cameron Mannheim. Well, I, I I I agree with you in terms of like the acting technique. In real life, we're not trying to show our emotions and. So as an actor, you're doing something so unnatural. You are trying to show something that the character does not. It's like playing drunk, right? If you're going to play drunk, nobody who's drunk wants to be drunk. So the best way to play drunk is to try not to be drunk, is to try to hide the fact that you're drunk. And the same thing with a lot of times with these emotional things where if you can play, if, you, if you're good enough to play, to fight the emotion as opposed you know to try to hold it back but it's it's overwhelming you as opposed to let me try and muster up a tear you know that sort of a deal that uh that's really where you get truly fine acting because you're you're not projecting an emotion you are feeling it and you're you're actually doing what the character is which is feeling it and trying to hide it so uh yeah i mean cameron come on but that close, that close that uh, the, the Jimmy did delivered. The, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, Bataluka was great in this episode too. You want to know who wasn't great in this episode, but still gets an award anyway? The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Keith emailed me at just a hair too late, so I couldn't get it up. Uh, but I'll uh, put it up here in post. That's uh, crossing over Tom Brady, which is funny. You know what? You kept it. You still kept it sort of esoteric and vague, which I really appreciate. No, it's like uh, it. much he's, much he's like our, uh, our 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 podcast and our talent. It's esoteric and vague. <laughs> vague. Well, the vague <laughs> part definitely. <laughs> um, this week goes to, but I'm not pregnant, Tom Brady. Nice, because we've had pregnant Tom Brady, mm-hmm. but this is not pregnant. No, so no, we've had. It's him exclaiming. But I'm not pregnant, Tom Brady. Which is remarkable because uh, he has been pregnant, Tom Brady. He is also, last week, he delivered a baby, <laughs> Tom Brady. So but I need now to he's see, not pregnant. Right. I want to see how you visualize the, somebody assumes he's pregnant, but he needs to right. exclaim that he's not pregnant. I'm interested. Not pregnant. I'm, not, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to now give you some challenges because you've proven oh, yourself. because. Very good. I have, I have so much time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know what? I could have gone with. Wait, what? I was going to oh. say, you know what I should have gone with is Tom Brady fixing the potential leak in Keith's basement. <laughs> oh, that's a step too far. Ladies and gentlemen. Too soon. Too soon. It's time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Huh. <sighs> 
know, there comes a time where I think I mentioned it, and I won't. So I won't. Like I said, the the episode suffers a little bit for me because of where we are. We've we've progressed, uh, I think, a, a bit in the past twenty years on how we view and and how the law views custody and uh, parent parental rights, and so it it felt a little out of place. It felt like it shouldn't have gone to a full kind of hearing, but in the end, uh, it 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 got where I thought it was going. However, and I also have to ding it points, the Rebecca beat just felt, look, handled excellently by the cast because they the the main cast played their sort of uh, incred- incredulity about where is Rebecca great. And Rebecca played the comedy beats great, but it still felt out of place to me. Uh, so the acting saves it there. I thought that the case, the performances in the Eleanor case were just exquisite. Some of the best, I think, across the board of the season, I would go as far as to say. From Michael, from Cameron, from our guest actors to the judge, everybody was, it was a, it was a masterclass. And the C case, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm, I mean, I think we've we've set some really cool chess pieces up. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we, we want to protect this little girl. We want to protect uh, her innocence as much as we can and her safety, especially with this man uh, living in their building. So we've we set the, we've we've set the table well. For me, and also uh, shout out to the direction. The direction, like you mentioned, was excellent. The editing was excellent. The lighting was excellent. Hulu's presentation was excellent. And thus, (laughs) you know, that covers up a a couple of the holes. And like I said, we are going to have a different rating slightly because I judge it, like I said, viewing today. I'm not judging it like it would have been judged. I would have judged. Long story short, I thought it was an excellent episode. Uh, Maybe not the most exciting, but an excellent episode dramatic episode of The Practice um, with a weird comedy beat, uh, which loses, uh, I think, 0.5 spare tire for me. So I'm going to give it 8.15 spare tires. Yeah. Yeah, I. it's so funny. I've been... Because uh, I think it's a 9 if the Rebecca beat was handled better, if something more interesting happened with Rebecca. Interesting. I, I watched it... Uh, this last night and then and then again now and i've i've sort of been torn about this episode because you're you, you, it's just, not we're just looking most, at my face we're just looking we, we sure at are my face. i was just it's it's fine I, I, I ain't that pretty uh it's you're right it's not the most exciting episode and uh but i and it's a little bit rescued by the actors for me I mean, Cameron's story is rescued by Cameron. Um, And uh, the tonal inconsistency of the Rebecca story. Over over the course of this episode, for sure, because we set up with like, oh, fuck, something is horribly wrong going with Rebecca. We had a bit of the fake out with the kidney thing. But we all took it seriously. It was like, oh, we're going to have a really like dangerous situation. Everyone's treating it that way. And then it becomes this like weird toss-off comedic beat, which is 
was true within the episode, but it was also true within the arc of the last two episodes where we had this very serious, dramatic, scary episode about Rebecca last week that, again, finishes with ambiguity as to what happened medically, and then she just she just wakes up, and it's fine, and, and how funny, and how hilarious. It was... The A to B to C there felt kind of weird to me. The, the, the story they're setting up for next week... You know, it's that's a really dicey. It's just really tough to tell a story like that, and it feels. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I, I like it's obviously these things happen. You know, with 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 somebody that young, and it's it's so serious. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a I, I don't know. Like it it feels a little bit tentative the way they're telling the story but i guess i can't really judge it till we get to the to the end of the of the storyline so I, and everything you said about you know the direction the the lighting it was beautifully shot it was beautifully done i don't think i liked it quite as much as you did um there were elements that i did but i'm i'm going to give it a 7.43 Get those calculators handy. Right. Yeah, right. Look, we have to we have to break some ties, Mike. We have to break some ties. You're right. Uh yeah. before we before we move on, uh yeah. I want to point out because I, I keep forgetting to do it in the episodes, and it, it went so well with the Disney thumb, the Disney one. The eyeball, clearly, it's the bloodshot eyeball. So I want to make sure we leave time at the end of the episodes to reveal the, the Easter oh, egg. Oh, all right. All right. So that that'll after the oopsies, we will do the reveal. Of the Easter egg. And Mike will be we'll in do charge the- of doing something in post that, Brit, like, I have to bring up his head, and I'll do something. Nice. Well, that'll be, like, his eyeballs flying out. Now, that yeah. would have been exciting. All right. Well, folks, you have gotten through another episode of the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to tell us what you thought and communicate with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. You can email us directly, outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com, or check out our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. You can do us a giant favor and join the jury. Uh, do what Leanne wrote and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. Just let us know. It really helps. This episode was brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wrights, CloudLover69, Jorge Navoa, and Jennifer Masanova. If you would like to be one of them and have your name on that fancy slide and force Keith to once again make another Photoshop, you can do so by donating once a month or one time only. Or not at all. You can find the links to do any of those three things in our show notes, as well as anything else I promise and have to remember to put into the show notes. You know what else you can do? Just tell your friends, hey, you know what? I know you don't want to even watch the practice, but you should listen to this podcast because you'll be surprised. Keith, if you would like to avoid an ugly, ugly eye like that, do not look directly into the laser sounds. Laser sounds. <laughs>